Hello and welcome back to the Three in the Key podcast. We had a little break, NBO off-season. It's a nice long one. We've been on holidays. We've been in Cancun. We've been relaxing. It was a stressful season, but we're back with a bumper edition. We had uh, NBA draft full of Australians and full of some NBL next stars going, and we've got a massive, massive uh, next 48 hours of NBA free agency. And joining me to help me preview this massive and momentous weekend of the NBA, my co-stars. JJ was unavailable for this one, so we've subbed him in with the next best in the business, the Inner Sanctum's very own NBA writer, Ben Pelosi. How you going, mate? Yeah, I'm going well. Uh, keen to dive in and you know talk a bit of NBA free agency because I think it's as it's sort of been the last few years, going to be a pretty exciting one. Um, there's going to be sort of lots of deals and probably a few that are going to surprise us. Hundred percent. And my other co-star regular on the show, Jake. How you going, mate? I'm going good. Obviously, it has been a bit of a break, but when everything's happening basketball, you just need to you just need to get on the pod and then listen to Three in the Key. So, you know, it, it's pretty exciting stuff. What's going on at the moment? But uh, we need to dive right in because there's there's a lot we've missed in the last in the last few weeks. So, keen to jump in. There's a lot to digest, and obviously uh, Ben's a big Celtics fan, so we won't mention the finals too much, uh, as good of a finals as it was, and we won't mention the conference finals either, and we won't mention the play-in game for Jake's (laughs) sake. I think everyone's just... We have a nice little break from the offseason. Let's preview the 2022-23 offseason. Let's start with the drafts last Friday. Uh, I think the first big talking point was the Magic out of nowhere taking Paolo Banquero from Duke, number one. They didn't work him out. I think that is unheard of in the nba you always work out at least two or three prospects and i think it's a, it's a shot in the dark for sure bankera is probably the most talented player in the draft but not working him out and not seeing how you know his training ethic is and a few things could come back to backfire especially when you see who went second and third but what are your guys thoughts on the magic taking paulo bankera number one yeah it was a little strange they didn't work him out but he is probably the most nba ready um, for next season and probably, you know, he's probably going to have the biggest impact, I think, um, from the sort of start next season. I think it's going to be a whole lot of growing pains and especially with the Magic, there's sort of the opportunity as well to try to run the offense, I think, through him. Um, but, yeah, it is sort of, I guess, a little strange as well. Just can you consider who else is on the board, you know, Jabari Smith and Chet Holgram as well. Um, Chet Holgram also chose not to work out with the Magic too and it's sort of becoming a thing we're seeing lately these sort of draftees deciding no I don't want to go to this team I'm not going to work out with them and yeah I guess with um, Paolo's case he wanted to be the number one pick but it is weird he didn't work out yeah I was I was a bit surprised as well obviously maybe the there's a lot of pressure now with the uh, being the number one pick for the magic obviously there's been a, a few handy number one picks for the magic in the past so there's, there's there is there is a lot of pressure but you, you get the feeling that it's like eh, do they really want to go there or, or or something like that like you just have to sort of ponder and and think why why they didn't work out for them but it is becoming it is becoming more common and teams will just look look at highlights and, and look at what they've seen not necessarily right in front of them but what what's on the screen but uh yeah as, as you go down it's uh, the top sort of th- Top sort of three, obviously we knew, but not we didn't know what order. But I think uh, everyone's every, everyone's ended up with, uh, I reckon, uh, a fairly decent player. Hundred percent. I think anyone in that top three, you'd be happy to take number one. Um, Jabari Smith was the outright favourite, and then you know a couple of hours before Woj goes, uh, Bankero might go number one, and the betting odds just swap down. 
And if you're a degenerate gambler like me and you went, hmm, Jabari Smith Jr. has got some good value at three bucks and you lose a lot of money on that. So not too happy with the Magic there. And as a Heat fan, I'm really despising the Magic. I lost me a lot of money on that night. But as as to what Felosi was saying, I think it's uh, it is becoming a common trend and maybe a bad one that these players and you know, bypassing medicals for teams and not working out. We've seen it with Jaden Ivey. He basically said, I'm not going to Sacramento. Can't blame him really out of any team. You wouldn't want to go to the Kings. But yeah, we'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's talk about Jabari Smith Jr. I mean, that was a really good pick. I feel like um, there was a lot of talk that the Magic were saying that they're going to take Paolo just to try and get the Rockets to trade up because that kind of seemed like a perfect fit. But now you've got a really interesting team and they, they took a lot of other good prospects. So the Rockets rebuild, looking good. John Wall off the books and no more big contracts going forward for the Rockets. Um, yeah, I think the Jabari Smith pick was really good for the Rockets, especially considering that I think the most of the draft process, he was thought to be the number one pick. And then even as we saw, Woj uh, tweet out that he was going to go number one just a few hours before the draft. So I think that a lot sort of had him as sort of the best prospect in the draft. Um, he's six foot 10 and he can shoot the three. At, I think it was 42% at college, which is insane. And in that Houston environment, they didn't really play a whole lot of defense last year. He's going to sort of have the opportunity, I think, just to flourish offensively. And there might be a little bit of growing pains just initially um, to trying to find his way. But I think that him going third, the Rockets would be ecstatic with that. And I'm sort of surprised that maybe a team didn't try and trade up once he didn't go one or two and see if they could nab him at three because the the asking price would have probably been a little bit less than if you tried to, to trade up to one. Yeah, I was just thinking that. I, I always thought that the Thunder were pretty much locked in to, to Chet. I think they were, they always wanted him. And I think regardless of who the Magic were going to pick, he knew that he was going to be two. And I was, apparently he had some calls and, and whatnot from all messages back and forth with Giddy and, and everything like that. So I think that it was pretty much locked in from, from the beginning. But yeah, I... As well, I'm pretty surprised that you didn't see like a, a few teams that might have needed uh, a six ten big man to to help out with with the offense. And look, it's always handy to bring in a guy who you know can know can shoot and and defend a bit. Only one team that could have used it, the Sacramento Kings, and man, did they! I mean, look, I don't want to disrespect Keegan Murray. He's a bit older. He's the fifth oldest top four pick in NBA history. Okay, fair enough. He's They, they want him to be NBA ready. But if you're the Kings, you know, Jaden Ivey was the man. He obviously didn't want to go there. Fair enough. Trade the body pick. Don't take someone you don't really want. It's just, it's ludicrous. And there's a reason that the Kings are stuck in this awkward position between the plane and basically the bottom of the lottery because they just keep making boneheaded decisions like this. They change front offers and they still make dumb decisions like this. I mean... Uh, Keegan Murray will be good, but Jaden Ivey falling to Detroit at five is just an absolute steal. Yeah, I think with Murray, it it was weird because I think a lot of draft boards had him quite low as sort of a six to ten pick. So him going four definitely was a, a surprise. And I understand that Sacramento wanted to pick someone you know they'd worked out that wanted to be there in a sense, and they didn't really need a guard because otherwise they would sort of be in the same situation they were last year if they took Ivy with Halliburton. But it's still just, you would think with the fourth pick, you'd want a more franchise difference-making player. And I just don't think uh, Keegan Murray is that player. I think he's more of just a role player in the league. who sort of can be serviceable at that wing position, but 
he's not he might be your third best player at best. So it's a very it's a very Sacramento type of thing to do. To be fair, I was literally just about to say that. I was like, it, you don't want to disrespect anyone, but they haven't had the greatest luck in in drafting in the last few years. As as Don sort of mentioned, there they've been around that play into the bottom of the table, and and it's due to things like this. Uh, but obviously, they've got they've got some good players within within their squad. They're just trying to build around them is is not something that they've been able to do, and. It starts with drafting, and uh, I'm definitely with Dom. In, in he, they probably should have just traded the pick and, and tried to grab some assets from from someone else. And I think that would have then, in turn, made the team a little bit little bit better than than just drafting someone just because you have the fourth pick. So, yeah, a little bit interesting, but I guess we'll see how we how it all plays out in the season. I think we could have a whole podcast on boneheaded King's decisions in the last five years, including trading Tyrese Halliburton uh, last year. But let's get on to the Aussies and some of the NBL stars that got drafted. First off, Dyson Daniels, eighth to the Pelicans. I think this is the best situation he could land himself in because the Pelicans got this pick from the Davis trade from the Lakers. I mean, the Pelicans are primed for a playoff run again next year. And I mean, they'll probably... They'll, they might have, I think they'll avoid the playing tournament. And for Dyson Daniels to be there, you'll more than likely be in the rotation, you know, alongside some incredible veterans and an up and coming youth movement in New Orleans. I don't think there's a better spot for Daniels to land in the draft. Yeah, I think by the end of the season as well, once he sort of established himself as an NBA player, I think that's when we'll really see what he can be as a, as a player in the NBA because he's obviously got the defense. And he's got the passing ability. But I just think it might take him a little bit of time to sort of adjust to the NBA level and sort of, you know, the, get the feel for the game and everything. But, yeah, he's got, he's got all the sort of things that he would need to sort of thrive in um, that system because he's not going to be asked to score the ball. They have Ingram. They got Zion. They got McCollum. All those guys can go and, you know, score the ball before him. Even um, uh, Valanciunas as well, who's a pretty good scoring big man. So I think that they're, they're pretty set from that point of view. And then defensively, they could be really, really good next season. They've got Herb Jones. They've got Alvarado. Uh, Zion's, you know, a pretty sort of impactful defender and good at defending the rim um, for his size. And then also Ingram's long too, and, you know, he can do a pretty good job on the wing there. So I think that they could really jump up as one of the best defensive teams and cause a lot of teams some problems come playoff times. Yeah, it is the perfect situation. Uh, it, you couldn't get a better one, I think. As you just said, like as as we've been saying and talking about, I think it's it's ideal that he's coming to a spot where they do have shooting, they do have guys who can score the ball because he can come in like a say like a Matisse Thibault. Like he doesn't he plays good defense. Like we all the comparison I think was in, in fact Matisse uh, in the draft, and I think if he's able to come in. Play a, play a big role on the defensive end. Earn his spot, obviously, probably with the second unit to start with. But if he can sort of get into those positions and, and be a good enough defender to then be closing games as a defender, I think that's that's his first step in sort of making it uh, making it further and making it possibly in, into a starting, starting role. But I think if he's working on uh, that defense early on, I think that's going to be important and, and score the ball uh, when he needs to. I don't think it's there's going to be many plays drawn up for him, but they can create plays for him through uh, through defense, in fact. 
Yeah, as Felosi said, I mean, the amount of scoring that the Pelicans have, you look at the teams that went around that pick, you had the Wizards, Spurs, and the Pacers, which all could have taken Dyson Daniels and, and Portland as well. And you think if he goes into that situation, he's asked to score a bit more, but this is perfect. He can kind of just almost sit in the corner and shoot and just learn the rhythm. He's got a lot of uh, experience against uh, some of the, the older side veterans in the G League. So I think the toughness and the physical the physicality of the NBA, I think he might adjust too well. And I think he's he's a good shout for maybe an all all rookie second team, you know, just fly under the radar, almost like his uh, teammate Herb Jones this year. But let's get to the first NBL player drafted, Usman Dieng, 11th. I'm not going to lie. Like, I watched a lot of Breakers basketball this year. 11th might be a stretch for Dieng. I understand the potential, but he, he definitely showed up in the second half of the season, but that's when there was nothing on the line for the Breakers. He definitely struggled at the start. He was getting into the first quarter and not coming in for the rest of the game. So, Dieng, I'm not 100% sold on it. Obviously, this was the Knicks picks that they traded to the Thunder, so it's good to see Dieng go with Giddy. But, I mean, I, I think this is a little bit of a stretch at 11. Yeah, I think Sam Presti likes taking these sort of unicorn players that can do a bit of everything. And that's obviously what Dang is. We have seen he's got the sort of defensive upside. He's got the size and he's got pretty decent ball handling. But as you said, Dom, he didn't really show it until sort of the end of the season um, when it didn't matter as much. And his shooting is not really good at all. He's not sort of consistent on that end of the floor. But I think it's probably a good environment to go to OKC where there's probably, a, you know, he's got two or three years, I reckon, before they're going to be contending. So he's got a bit of time to sort of grow and learn the game and see how he sort of can fit and what role he could play. Yeah, I don't want to sort of ju- jump on what you guys have been saying, but I think, yeah, it, it is probably a stretch, as as Dom said. I reckon 11 was slightly, slightly higher than probably what we were all thinking. And we're all pretty surprised, but obviously the the trade to OKC, uh, I think he'll be happy as as he will have Giddy, but he will get play will get playing time, and I think that's that that's something that that's important early on. And I think depending on what situation you're going into, uh, I feel like he's he's able to do what he can do, and plays will be drawn up for him. They're a young team; they're going to be trying to to try pull wins out of nowhere and and just sort of get their games right. I think that's that's the aim for the OKC team is develop not only as not only as a team but as individuals as well for then their progression outside uh, in other teams as well when that if they do move on or get traded or something like that. I think it's sort of a bit of a progression team working their way up and and trying to get those starting roles. Obviously it's a it's a young team. So uh, they'll be exciting. No no doubt about it. And Diang will be exciting. He'll have his moments. Uh, as well, and hopefully getting get him in, in into into a few plays, and and it can hopefully contribute for the Thunder. I think for Diang, the good thing about it is that um, you know in the back ends of the lottery, you're usually paying for someone who's going to be in playing contention, and you're going to be under the spotlight. Imagine he went to New York, geez, he would have been. Yeah, I don't think he would have survived there. But he's in OKC. Quite frankly, no one in America gives a rat's ass about OKC at the moment. He can make all the mistakes in the world. No one is going to care. So it's perfect. Great situation for Diang and Dyson Daniels, both getting great situations. And then we go all the way. We had to wait almost 42 picks for the next NBL star. And I'll tell you what, I was with my mate. I was at his house watching the draft and I went to 46, 47. I said, I'm going home. I said, Travis ain't getting picked. Besson ain't getting picked. And as soon as I get in the car, I see that they both got picked. So Luke Travers, 53rd to the Cavs. Um, look, I haven't done too much research onto it, but I'd, you'd like to think he's probably going to do summer league and then head back to the NBL as a draft and stash. But 
a great option, great option for the Cavs. It's really, really good to see Travis, you know, compared to where he was last year, to get drafted and ahead of someone like Besson. It's it's amazing for him. Yeah, he's got sort of the defensive sort of upside with his game as well. And it, as you said, it probably would be good if he can, you know, get a bit of a run in the summer league and then, you know, maybe come back to the NBL and, you know, get another season underneath his belt because I think he's definitely got the potential to be an inf- impactful player in the NBA if he can sort of grow his game, but he's not, he's not there at the moment. And it's probably better off him going, getting reps and, you know, getting minutes somewhere than just sitting on a bench, um, you know, doing nothing. Yeah. It's, I think it's getting drafted, I think is, is one thing for him, but then progressing is progressing then uh, into improving his game as well. Obviously his game's, his game is good, but it's obviously not good enough to to probably sit and play in in an NBA squad, as we all know. But uh, I think, yeah, as Dom said, I think he'll be back here playing some time. And look, who, who knows if they, if there's injuries, you never know if he comes comes back and he might contribute a couple of a couple of minutes here and there. So I think, look, good on him for for getting drafted. That's that's a step in the right direction for him. But yeah, it'll take him a little bit, I reckon. Tell you what, if you type in Luke Travers on Google and click the news tab, first article that comes up in a sanctum by Kai Ferreira, how Luke Travers will fit into the Cleveland Cavs. I just noticed that. I was trying to search to see if he's said anything about it, but it looks like he's just gone to the summer league now. But check out that article. It's really good. But uh, And then the last pick of the draft. I mean, you don't get much luckier than this. Hugo Besson, uh, originally from the Pacers, but gets traded to the Bucks. I really, really like this pick. I think if you can put him in the G League for a bit, I think Basson can contribute straight away, considering how many injuries the Bucks had last year. I genuinely think there's a chance for Basson here. I'm not overly familiar with him, uh, if I'm going to be honest. Uh, but I do know that he does have sort of a bit of a scoring ability, which I guess could go help the Bucks if they, as you said, do suffer a few in, uh, injuries and all that. Um, it's just uh, I only issue of him is that he's listed as a wing, but he's only six foot four, so he's a little small. And I think that teams might look to sort of attack him um, when he's defending, just because of that. But yeah, if if he can go get any minutes in the NBA, that that'd be amazing for him. Yeah, as we all know, it is it is a wings league these days. But um, yeah, look, I think. It, it is great for him to, to be able to get drafted, but I don't think he's going to uh, feature too much. Obviously, he'll have some uh, great mentors over there uh, and hopefully he can learn some things off it because that, that's what it is at the start of year. You learn off your vets and I think it's an, it was it's important for him to get to a team and learn off those guys and learn off guys who, who are going to play in similar similar spots to him because uh, all these all these older guys, that they, they have so much knowledge and, and they are very happy to deal it off to to some young guys who are, who are getting drafted and obviously they want the league to be better and, and players on their team to be better. So I think he's only going to learn and, and grow. And I think uh, he'll be able to contribute uh, in the next, well, hopefully in, in the current season or upcoming season, but maybe uh, it might take a little bit longer. And hopefully we see him in, in the summer league and, and the G league as well. That was inspirational, Jake. That was very, that was, that was so eloquent, that, that speech there, that they want them to be the best. That was, that made my heart warm. But I'll tell you what doesn't make my heart warm, the Brooklyn Nets. I mean, what an absolute basket case they've turned into this offseason. And Paddy Mills opting out of his deal, rejecting his player option for around $6.3 million. He can only take $7.1 million from Brooklyn. But if he does, it has to be a two-year guaranteed deal with no options either way with the early bird rights. So 
I think my my gut's telling me he's going to stay, but I wouldn't be shocked if he's with another contender for that seven mil uh, mid level exception. Yeah, I was a bit surprised when I saw him go and decline it, just because the offer is not really too much more. Like it's you know what an extra million, and then obviously he does get that second year though. But after what he went through this year in Brooklyn, if he does decide to leave, I don't really think you can blame him. Like with the sort of with I guess some games he was you know sort of put out there as one of the sort of main scorers and handling the ball. And then the next game, Kyrie's back, Harden's back, and he's sort of chucked on the bench. And it's like, you know, you just you, know, you get your, your chance to shoot and we pass you the ball, then you can shoot. So I guess that sort of continuity wasn't really there. And what sort of started with so much promise with what the Nets could have been um, this past season, I, I don't really blame him if he does decide to leave and, you know, move to another team where they're probably going to go and, you know, use him a maybe a little bit better and he's probably going to go and have more of a consistent role from game to game. Yeah, it is an interesting one. Obviously they got a lot of, they do have some fairly decent shooters on the team already and, and probably contributes to the reason why he's sort of opting out a little bit. He's got the option to go back to Brooklyn because obviously they'll happily, happily take him on again, I'm sure. But there is a lot of options for, for a guy like Patty. And look, if he, he looks good. It looks good at, at points during this season and then, he was a fantastic, uh, fantastic role player for them. But you can, you could see him on a on a uh, on a contender for sure, as either as a, a even as a two or maybe as a six man. But uh, there's certainly some room out there for him, and I'm, sh- I'm certain there's a lot of teams that that will want his services and signature. So uh, I would say, yeah, as as you said before, Dom, it's a contender or he goes back to Brooklyn. It's pretty pretty simple, but. Look, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. Don't go back to Brooklyn, Paddy, please. It's cancerous <laughs> there. It's terrible. You got Kyrie. I'd, I'd put ten thousand dollars on it right now. Kyrie's not playing over fifty games. He'll he'll go to Botswana for a month for a mental health retreat or something. <laughs> Something's gonna go wrong with Kyrie. I'm telling you. But I feel like Paddy's talk- smart enough. <laughs> Paddy's smart enough, but hey, if the Nets are offering me seven mil, I'd probably take it as well. To be honest, but. <laughs> Compared to like a three mil, you know, veteran minimum from, you know, the Lakers or something. But let's talk a little bit of early moves before we get to free agency. I think the biggest one has to be DeJounte Murray to the Hawks for two unprotected first round picks. That scares me. That really, really scares me. Um, just the word unprotected. And a 2023 first round pick from Charlotte and Danilo Gallinari, who, you know, has a little bit of a thing in his contract where it's not fully guaranteed. It's a smart move from the Spurs. Uh, looks like they're going into a full rebuild. Great for Jock Landale, but DeJounte Murray to the Hawks, fantastic move. Yeah, it does a really good job of, I guess, hiding Trey Young on the defensive end as well because that's probably his glaring weaknesses defensively. He's pretty much may as well just – he's a traffic cone. So that <laughs> I way, think a traffic cone uh, would do better, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, DeJounte Murray, obviously, I think that people don't realise how good of a season he did have. Um, I think he averaged 19 points, much close to a triple-double plus two steals a game. So I think it's a really um, you know, good good fit for him with the Hawks. And he finally goes and gets a chance to be on a contending team who you know, should be in the playoffs next year and you know, has a chance to you know, maybe push into that, that second round, third round. We never know. They did it you know, two seasons ago. They were in the conference final. So you know, who knows what happens. But um, yeah, with the picks they traded as well, I think they are interesting that they are unprotected because we did see what happened with the Lakers pick that went the way of the Pelicans this year. 
You know, it just takes, you know, some injuries, you know, one bad season, someone asked to leave, that, that's all it takes. And, you know, that could end up being a lottery pick, um, you know, in three, four years' time, um, the, those picks they do have coming up. So I think it is interesting, but obviously the Hawks think if they've got Trey Young, they've got DeJounte Murray, that they're going to be a pretty decent team for the next at least, you know, five, six years. I think they are. But just having a look through their team, they're, they're fairly young and there's some, there's some really good talent. Uh, across the team and I think it well, obviously like you got you got Hunter you got Bogdanovich as well Collins as well if he stays like uh, I think there's so many so many great young players there and something that look obviously Danilo is a great player but sort of doesn't fit that sort of mold I know he felt that he fit the team really well last season and I feel like they they used him well but I think having someone like DeJounte to to take away to take them <laughs> take the number one player on the opposition on the uh, defensive end uh, as we all know, Trey struggles at times. I'll give him that, uh, but probably is a little bit more than at times. But I think they are just building, building for the future, and they trust themselves to, as they've given the unprotected picks. But it just shows that they they trust their system, they trust what they're going to do, and they trust that those picks aren't going to be uh, ridiculously low picks. And I, I think I think they will go from strength to strength. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, who carries the ball and and all these different things like that? Whether they stagger them like a sort of like a, a Dame CJ system sort of thing. Um, but look, it, it it's a great trade. I, I love I love Dejounte there, and I think they're going to be they're going to be quite dangerous next year. So definitely look out for the Hawks. Yeah, I think uh, the main thing, like I said, the unprotected picks. I mean, Felosi, you should know more than anyone. Unprotected picks are fantastic. Yeah, the Celtics. <laughs> literally made the finals <laughs> off the back of some unprotected picks from the Brooklyn yeah. Nets, all right? Like Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and I think yeah. Marcus Smart might have been one of those picks as well. Yeah, I um, think it was, yeah. Yeah, a couple dud picks there. We'll give you that. There was a couple miss hits there, but they were in the back end of the lottery. When they were up the front, the Celtics picked right. But, yeah, that's what really worries me. Twenty. Look, DeJounte Murray is a free agent in 2025 as well. So, look, hopefully it all goes well. He seems to be very tight with Trey Young, which kind of got the trade over the line. But let's get on to some other moves than the Knicks. I mean, are they really going to pay? Are they really going to pay Jalen Brunson $30 million? Because it seems like they are. They sent, you know, Kemba, Nolan's Noel, and Alec Burks to Detroit. And they sent some good assets with that as well. They sent... Uh, a couple picks. I know definitely at the second round pick that the Pistons own for next year. They sent it back to them. That's going to be a very early second round pick. So, I mean, it's just it's a Knicks move, really. They've they've got to start winning games. Brunson's good. Don't think he's going to send them to the playoffs. I think they'll be lucky to get the plane. And I think it's another another doomed free agency uh, season for the Knicks. Yeah, the Knicks. They're just they're so hell bent on just trying to win and make the playoffs that they're probably not really looking. To the future too much. Jalen Brunson, he's a good player, but I think what made him so good was that he was playing second fiddle to Luka Doncic. And I know in the playoffs he did have those big games when Doncic was out, but it was against a Jazz team which defensively was terrible. And he sort of had his way, you know, scoring against them. But he's only six foot one. He's not going to offer a whole lot defensively. And I just think that if they think he's going to be sort of that number one guy for them, I don't think he's he's going to be the number one that they think he's going to be. And then, you know, you pair him with Julius Randle. He had a disaster season. He might have maybe – well, hopefully, you know, he improves from what he did last year. But if he's bad again, um, you know, the pressure is going to start mounting on those guys very quickly. And 
Brunson having that big price tag next to his name as well is it's not going to bode well for him because people are going to start bringing him up going, you know, why did the Knicks pay 30 mil for him? But I think that the Knicks are doing this because they're looking at maybe the next big free agent that wants out of their team, whatever. The Knicks could look to do a sign and trade um, in free agency in a year or two's time or make the trade for that team. And you need the salary to do that. So say Bradley Bills, the next one he wants out, they will have the salary then with Brunson to be able to make that deal happen. But if that's why they're signing Brunson, that's a bit short-sighted because no one's come to New York really in the last, what, since Carmelo. So thinking that, you know, someone is going to go come when they haven't really shown anything in the last sort of decade, I think it's sort of a bit short-sighted. It's, I see it as like the Kings and picks, it's the Knicks and trades. I feel like it's the exact same way, exact same thing. When I, when I saw this, I was like, look, not to, not to discredit Jalen Brunson. He had, he had some good games in the playoffs, but for, to see that on Twitter from Woj and I was like, really? They, did they get the, like, did they get the name right? Like, is it for, did they get the numbers right? Did they get the name right? I mean, I, I really don't, don't want to badmouth him, but like, I was very surprised. In, in seeing this and look whether they do it uh, is, is one thing and hopefully look you might see someone like a uh, obviously we saw Kemba and and the package go the other way who knows where he might end up he might ask for a buyout and go somewhere else so that's another interesting uh, ploy from from that trade but in terms of Brunson I think it could be right I think it could just be uh, sort of like setting setting themselves up but I feel like that's kind of kind of stupid to be honest and it doesn't i don't think it really he's not the number one guy so and that, that's pretty much the main the main crux from it all and i think that's what everyone would think and what i'm sure nick's fans will think as well i think it'd just be really funny if he didn't sign for them and they have all this cap space and they just can't <laughs> get anyone like i mean they, they signed his dad as an assistant coach i know he's been an assistant with tibbs a few other times but he's got a really strong relationship with leon rose and you know, this whole thing. I mean, remember that summer they were supposed to get KD, Kyrie, and Zion and they ended up with Julius Randle. So it's it's a next thing to happen. <laughs> and like, it's it's a definite overpay, but they do need a win. But the, the one slight thing I'm worried about is RJ Barrett is extension eligible this summer. You know, you sign Brunson for 30 and then they're already, they're under, they're 30 under the cap right now. But you give Brunson that 30, plus you got to bring Mitchell Robinson back, reported around that 15 mil a year mark. Summer of 2023, you're going to be 35 million over the cap. And if you don't make the playoffs, you know, it's New York. You don't know what's going to happen. But uh, let's set about the the Knicks, the better. Let's talk about your Clippers, Jake. Sign John Wall. That is a fantastic signing. And if the Clippers aren't favorites for the championship now, I don't want to hear it. They are outright favorites. Sorry, Golden State. Sorry, Celtics. <laughs> I love to, I love to hear that. I love to hear that. But yeah, it is it is pretty exciting stuff, to be honest. Look, I don't know if he's I think he's still got a clear waivers, but he's almost pretty much guaranteed uh, to head off to the Clippers. We'll see, see what he does. Obviously, as has been said over the last few, few seasons, uh, the Clippers have always needed that playmaker instead of using, using Kawhi, using Paul George, uh, having that true point guard to actually run, run the offense. And obviously, Reggie's been doing a fantastic job over the last few seasons, sort of, sort of leading that and, and leading the second unit a little bit as well. I think to have a true true point guard who we haven't seen in a few years and we know is all very capable. Uh, if he can get anywhere, anywhere near his best, it's, it's certainly going to be quite dangerous. And 
the, the depth is just absolutely crazy now. Like I, I thought it was a joke when I saw that John Wall was like almost guaranteed to come, but like getting Norman Powell and Covington for nothing. And then like just bringing in guys constantly The zoo signed a couple of days ago, Batum's probably going to sign as well. It's almost like, like they're just, they're just going to keep adding and adding and Farmer's going to just keep paying and paying as many players as he can to get that championship. And I think that's, that's the way it's rolling. So I'm looking, it's fair to say I'm looking forward to the upcoming season for sure. Yeah, the Clippers are definitely going to be a scary team next year with you know, Kawhi coming back. Um, you know, Paul George, you know, hopefully all healthy and everything. And you know, just the wing depth they have is just insane, especially seeing you know, in the playoffs how important the wing position is. They've got so many guys they can throw out there and, you know, can impact the game on both ends of the floor. But on the John Wall signing, I think that I really like it um, as well because I think people sort of forget sort of how good he was as a playmaker. And even though he didn't play a whole lot with Houston, when he did play, he averaged 20 and 7 pretty much a game. Wasn't the sort of best, you know, scoring splits. But I think the way we've seen guys come back from these sort of Big injuries. We saw KD come back from the Achilles. Um, we saw what Clay went through and all that stuff. Even someone like Boogie Cousins, who's come back, and we have seen on certain teams he's he's had these games where you know he was you know quite sort of you know impactful and looked like you know the Boogie Cousins of old. But I think with the way the modern medicine is now, that John was probably going to come back and be he won't be the same player he was obviously beforehand, but I think he'll still have shades of that, and he won't be put in as that number one role anymore. He'll be the third option. Um, which I think is perfect, which can sort of, sort of um, hide some of the things that he's not so good at. You know, he's not the best, you know, shooter, but, you know, you've got Paul George, you've got Kawhi Leonard to sort of to, to take those shots instead. I mean, it's pretty amazing how rich Steve Ballmer is. Um, he's currently at the moment 50 mil over the tax, and that's without Zubac's contract next year. Got to bring back Batum and, as you said, you know, a few other players just to fill out the roster spots. Terrence Mann gets $10 million in 2023-24. They have, this season, they will have eight players making over $10 mil. That is ridiculous. I mean, good on Steve for actually digging into his pocket. I hate it when owners are tight asses and are trying to avoid the luxury tax. Steve Barmer's out there. He's building the stadium. He's getting a championship. I want the Clippers to win for that reason because he's got to be the only, uh, maybe the Warriors owner. He's the only other owner to be not a tight ass, but a billionaire at the same time. So well done to the Clippers for that. Now let's get to a little bit of quick fire. We've got some big free agents coming up, not as stacked as we'd want to be, but a lot of key uh, role players that will be on the free agent market. So let's go around. Uh, all right. The top three, Harden, Bill and Levine. I think we can all agree they're staying. I don't think, unless anyone has any other, don't think Cardin's signing to the Lakers for the veteran minimum. All right, good. We're all in agreement there. So let's get on to the first big one. DeAndre Aiden, uh, let's start off, go around. Who do you think DeAndre Aiden will be playing for next season? I think he might be at the Spurs next season. I think with the sort of idea that they're going into this rebuild, I think, you know, maybe Pop can, you know, get the best out of him and sort of put a bit of discipline into him and, you know, I, I don't know. I just think that you look at the teams that sort of have the cap space and they're probably the only one that I can think of that has the cap space and it sort of might make sense for him to sign there um, because it looks like Phoenix, you know, they're, they're done with him. And they, I think I saw some reports today. I don't know who it was from exactly, but apparently perhaps the Suns think that they could get the same production that they got from um, Aiden from 
someone for a lot less money, say like a Kevin Looney sort of type of player or something like that. So it's a pretty big shot to be taking at a guy who thinks he should be getting a max deal, being compared to a guy who's sort of been a sort of role player um, like that. But yeah, I don't know. We know the Phoenix Sun owner is pretty sort of cheap and doesn't really like, you know, paying players. Yeah, no, I really, I really hate to be boring. I wish I got in first for that one. But yeah, uh, with that, with the recent move of DeJounte and obviously clearing, clearing out a whole, whole bunch of cap. And I think, I think it'd be great for him to play under Pop as well. I think obviously Pop's coached some, some fairly decent big men over the time. And for, for even Aiton to get even just one season under Pop, I think uh, it'll be very valuable. And look, obviously, I don't, I, I'm with you guys. I don't think you'll get paid at, uh, he won't get paid at, at Phoenix. And I think if, they, if they're down the line of wanting to, to get someone who can do, uh, <laughs> do what he can do, but for a lot less money, I think that's what they'll do. And they'll, he'll decide to go somewhere else because if that's the way they're feeling, he won't want to stay there. I think he'll be in the Portland Trailblazers uniform um, because I just seen a little interesting side note. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, who is owed $19 million this year, only three mil is guaranteed to him if they waive him before the fourth day of the free agency period. So that's an easy, easy decision for them to make. They'll have 50 million in cap space. You've got Jeremy Grant coming in. That takes up 20 Give thirty to Aiden and re-sign Anthony Simons on a uh, into into his bird rights, and then maybe even a sign and trade. Send Nurkic to the Suns. I think they'll take that hundred percent. So, I think Portland is where he's going to be at. So, let's get on to the next one. Um, Miles Bridges. He might not be in an NBA uniform next year. He might be in a prison outfit. But if if he's there, where is Miles Bridges going to be playing next year? I think that he, after what sort of has transpired in the last 24 hours, I think he might end up back in um, a Hornets uniform. I don't think that teams are going to be uh, sort of as willing to offer him that big deal anymore. And I think that's what was sort of holding the Hornets back is they didn't want to offer him that max money. And I think now they're going to be able to offer him a slightly lesser deal. Um, and he's probably not going to really have too many other options than to go back to the Hornets. And the Hornets owner... Um, not on uh, GM Mitch Kubchak said he, he wanted to go bring back Bridges, but I think that, you know, at that price tag, it sort of was, I don't know, 30 mil. It's probably made sense for them to maybe want to avoid that. But I definitely think that now after what's happened, he's probably going to get a little bit less and, um, you know, be returning back to the Hornets. Yeah. There's, there's no doubt, obviously everything's, <laughs> everything's been reduced now <laughs> due to the, to the recent stories. And I don't think anyone else is going to be, uh, that interested and in not a team that he'll want to go to either. I think that's that's probably the main the main crux of it. And obviously he'll want to be playing for playing for an up and coming team, and he won't want to go somewhere that's that's not going to contend in the next few years. And I think his best best place is at Charlotte, and whatever they and whatever they owe him, he should he should definitely be taking because he's not going to get any better anywhere else. I wanted to say the Pistons, but yeah, I feel like these uh, this arrest and stuff might send him back to Charlotte, even on a one-year deal or something where they can yeah. re-sign him with a bit of bird rights with Lamelo's extension coming up. But next one, Jalen Brunson. Yeah, I think he's going to be going to the Knicks. I, no, he's not going to get a, an, any better offer from anyone else. Um, you know, the Mavericks aren't going to match 30 mil. So if the Knicks are going to throw 30 mil at him, um, yeah, he's going to be a Knicks player next season, I think. Yeah, obviously we've touched on it a little bit already and it's sort of hard to go away from it. But look, he's not going to go anywhere that's, that 
that's not a team that's uh, contending. Obviously, the Mavs had a, had a great season last year, and he played really well behind Luca. And uh, it, it just, I just get that like, if he's does he want to be on a team that uh, that he's the like he's one of the main guys? Is is that his? Is that what he wants to do, or is he happy being on a contending team, uh, backing up one of the best players in the league? And getting that chance when he does go out or, or gets in foul trouble or something like that. So, look, the, the money is there, which if it gets offered to him, he'd be stupid not to take. But I don't know if, if that would be the best thing for him basketball career-wise. Uh, look, I'm giving out career advice. How about that? Who, who would have thought? Who would have thought? But, uh, yeah, to be honest, if he gets offered it, he will go to the Knicks and... If not, he's not going anywhere else. So the Mavs can just offer him something small and away he'll go. You may think I'm crazy, but Jalen Brunson <laughs> has a meeting with the Miami Heat on day one of free agency. Yeah. Got some very, insider, very... insider knowledge. I love it. Yeah, my, my sources tell me from inside Miami. No, it's a it's a it's even it's a well-reported thing, even in uh, like New York media, that on the first meeting he's taking is day one with the Heat. I think he might be a. I think he might be a Heat player. I mean, you've looked at the splashes that Pat Riley's made in the last seasons consecutively. Jimmy Butler, and then he goes in. That's Kyle Lowry. We added Oladipo at the deadline. I mean, if you can find a way to get Lowry out in the sign and trade, because the only way you'd be able to sign him, I think Brunson might be playing for the Heat in 2022. Next one, Colin Sexton. Bit of an interesting one. Um, he could could be getting a big contract just based on potential, but I think that injury might hinder how much years and money he's going to get. Yeah, 100%, um, 100% agree. I think he's probably going to have to take the qualifying offer that Cleveland will put in front of him, which is, I think, 8.6 or 8.7 million. I think, yeah, obviously coming off the injury um, and the what happened with the Cavs issue and how they sort of ascended uh, after he left, it doesn't look great for him. And obviously, how does he fit back into that team um, you know, he's only 6'1". He's not a very good defender. And sort of Garland is the point guard of the future for the Cavs. So if he's playing, he's going to be at that shooting guard spot. Um, they did also draft um, Abachi as well, who can probably play that shooting guard spot and can give them better defense as well. So I think he might be stuck, um, you know, having to go back to the Cavs and sort of prove himself mm-hmm. again because mm-hmm. I don't really think there's going to be too many teams out there that are going to offer him a better deal or, you know, offer him sort of a longer-term contract. Yeah, I think he's sort of on the out on the outer a little bit, even though obviously he he's been around for a, a few years now, and I think he's he's either going to get an offer from well, if he gets offers, they're not going to be from places that he wants to be, and and I mean obviously if he gets if he gets moved on, then he gets like, but I don't think that that's going to happen, and he's just going to have to work his way up and uh, try and get his try and get his value. Uh, increased a little bit more and maybe they'll move him on in the middle of the year, give him a small deal and then maybe possibly give him an option uh, to to trade him during during the mid-season and, and get to a team that, that might be uh, on the way up or something like that. If he's playing some good basketball, he may go somewhere uh, so to a team that's sort of in that middle of the road, but you can't, I can't really nail, nail a team down. But uh, I think he's just going to have to head back and, and work hard and obviously try and get that, try and get a spot back or, or move on through the mid year. Yeah. I think he's back at the Cavs as well. I think that injury definitely hurt him. I think someone definitely would have thrown him a four year, maybe 10, 15 a year, but it's definitely going to have to earn it. I don't even think he might be ready for opening rounds. So 
Hopefully he gets back and proves himself and finds himself somewhere nice. Could do a Malik Monk, reject the qualifying offer and go sign for a contender. And Monk absolutely killed it for the Lakers. But uh, our second last one, Mitchell Robinson. This is a bit of an interesting one. Do you know, do the Knicks want to go 15 mil into the cap just to sign Robinson or will he go somewhere else? I don't think they have a sort of many options at center at the moment. So they might also, would they trade um, Noel away, away as well? So they might have to just bring Robinson back for, you know, two or three years, just because otherwise they're not going to have a center. And he has shown the ability. He's a very streaky sort of player. Um, you know, he gets in a lot of foul trouble, but he has shown a really good ability to sort of, um, you know, defend the basket. And I go and sort of compare him a bit to sort of what Robert Williams was like with the Celtics when he first started, where, um, you know, he would get in there, he would play, you know, 15 minutes and, you know, would impact the game in that 15 minutes, but he'd also pick up four or five fouls and try to play himself off the court. Um, and I think that's the problem is that he needs to sort of fix that part of his game. But I think the Knicks don't really have much of an option that they're going to probably need him at centre um, next season. They can probably get him on maybe a shorter deal. Yeah, see, I, I even I went I went even further back and sort of went the, I went the Lob City days with like a, a DeAndre Jordan defending the basket and and blocking and obviously boarding as well. Obviously, they're fairly similar, fairly similar types of players. And look, Jordan was effective when he when he was uh, when he was a bit more when he was younger and, and sprightly. So I think obviously Robinson has that on his side. And look, look, it's interesting. Like obviously the Knicks might not want to move him, but like he may, he may get an offer for someone like, uh, I, I wouldn't mind if Aiden does move from the Suns, I wouldn't mind seeing him on that Suns team as sort of like the, the, the rim protector and, and the lob catcher as well. Obviously, you got CP3 in there, who's obviously played with guys that, that can catch lobs and, and D-Book knows how to uh, get the ball to him. There wouldn't be as much sort of sort of the pick and roll sort of stuff, but uh, I think uh, I think uh, a few lobs may be caught uh, in the Valley maybe next year. Valley-oops coming back. And last free agent, Yusuf Nurkic. I already alluded to it. I think he'll be in Phoenix as part of a signing trade for DeAndre Ayn. So I thought he'd... Um, stay with Portland, but after you said that, it's sort of I'm kind of interesting out of that might be the reality. But just because if he resigns with Portland, it just it just seems like Portland are just running back the same sort of thing that they've done the last few seasons. Like I know they got Anthony Simons now, but he's almost going to be that sort of McCollum type. And then you got Jamie Grant, but is he really? You know, he's probably a better player than what they had when they had you know Aminu and Harkless and stuff, but. It just still gives me sort of those thoughts of that sort of Portland team from four or five years ago. And, you know, recently Nurkic probably does the same. It's probably just, it's just sort of the same sort of team. And, you know, at best, you know, they might finish, you know, fifth, sixth in the West. Um, but I, I think I think he's going to end up staying at Portland. They seem to like him there. I saw him um, retweeting and liking, um, you know, the post on Twitter of Dane put out of him and Katie and Portland Guernseys and all that. So, I don't know. They seem to sort of all be, you know, a bit of a brotherhood going on there. But yeah, I think he's going to be at Portland. But I would, I would rather see them sort of move and try and, you know, try and upgrade that position or try something new there. Yeah, I'm a bit on. I'm, I'm a bit the same. But it'd be very. This is just a bit of a gag. It'd be, it'd be very New York Knicks to to get someone who doesn't actually improve them at all. And, <laughs> and get someone in there that it is known to be a good player, but. Like they're known for these sorts of trades, not to necessarily improve their side, but make it sound a, a bit better. But 
Yeah, I think I'm with. Uh, I think I'm with you both there. That Paul. Well, no, well, you said the Suns, and you're done. I think, yeah. <laughs> I think I'm with Portland. I think it, it just. I think it makes sense. Uh, in in the short term, they may move him on in in a couple of years, but uh, for the short term, I reckon he'll be back uh, with the Trailblazers. All right, I think that just about wraps it up. We we went a bit longer than expected, but I think we could have kept going. To be honest, there's just so much happening in the NBA at the moment. Uh, follow us on our socials if you're not already on Instagram and Twitter at Three in the Key Podcast. Until then, we'll hopefully be back sometime in the near future with another NBA episode. If not, hear back from us when the NBL season starts. Thanks for listening.